Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken. I'm joining me in the studio, as always, is the co-host. It's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss, so let's waste no more time, shall we? Hit us up on our social media accounts on OchoDuroParlayHour.com and join in the conversation using the hashtag ODPH. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We interact with everybody. We have a lot to discuss in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more, so why waste any more time, Pad? I don't know. So let's jump right into it. The biggest story that we wanted to kind of cover was the one that has the most, dare I say, mystery behind it, the most questions. Yeah. Or the most, why is this movie even coming out? Uh, I'm in that third camp. I am in the mystery of it's finally going to see the light of day. Okay, let's talk about this. And that movie is The New Mutants. Now, this is coming on... Under a lot of controversy, a lot of speculation, a lot of speculation, how else you want to define it. This is the last movie under the Fox X universe deal. Yeah, and and we should know that this film was made by Fox. It was filmed in 2017. So this was before the Disney deal went down. Disney had, you know, and of course, anything that was in production or done before the sale went down had to be put out in some capacity. So this is Disney fulfilling the rights on the the contract they kind of signed. But Kevin Feige has nothing to do with this film. This is, it says New Mutants in the title. This isn't some clever way that hey, they're introducing the mutants to the to the MCU. This is not the MCU. This has nothing to do with the MCU. This is simply simply the kind of I guess you could say the epilogue to the book of shit that was the Fox X-Men universe by and large. Fair point. So obviously when we finally heard that this movie was coming out and it's been long setbacks as Pat has touched upon, we were very intrigued to see what we we're going to get. Now we had a teaser trailer come out way back when. Was that one of our early episodes? Yeah. That's how long this has been. And that one I didn't think looked the worst because based off where they were trying to go with the direction of the film. And like we say, this is the X universe and this one was going to be a departure from what we've seen. Josh mm-hmm. Boone, the director wanted to go into a different direction than what we've seen. And the basis of this was supposed to be a horror movie. Yep. So obviously when the first trailer came out, a lot of questions going on with a lot of, okay, I don't know what to expect. I am really interested to see what's happening. And now we finally get the second trailer, a release date of April 3rd, 2020. Mm -hmm. And we have the, the second trailer, which tells a lot more, showed a lot that I'm intrigued by. And we're going to deep dive into spoiler territory on the trailer. So if you haven't seen the trailer for New Mutants and you want to hold off, you can pause the episode and jump right back in the conversation because we're going to go deep diving in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't watch the trailer until we sat down before we recorded the episode and watched it together for two reasons. One, I'm not a big horror movie guy. I've said that on past episodes. Horror movies scare the absolute you-know-what out of me, and I try to avoid them. Also, I did not watch the trailer because odds are I'm probably not going to see this movie just because, by and large, if you if you want to talk baseball terms, Fox's batting average when it comes to good X-Men movies is real low. It's real bad. And and I just, after how bad New Mutants, or not New Mutants, uh, Dark Phoenix was, 
I've got no faith in them salvaging anything out of this. See, for me, I'm actually feeling better about it than I thought I was going to. I'm not saying this movie is take my money right now, but with everything involving the New Mutants project, the fact that we're going to see it actually appear in a movie theater, not on Hulu, not on uh, any other streaming service. It wasn't going to go to Disney Plus, no. except now I hear it's PG-13 rating. It, it always was PG-13 rating. The director, Josh Boone, came out on, uh, somebody asked him on Instagram the other day, and, you know, was there ever a plan for the movie to be R-rated? And he said, quote, the movie has always been and will always be PG-13. There was never a plan for an R-rated movie, close quote. So that being said, it could go to Disney Plus when it's done. Because Disney Plus airs PG-13 content, mm-hmm. if memory serves me right. It does not air Some of the Marvel or... stuff is PG-13, if I remember right. Yeah, plus at least two of the Star Wars films, so yeah. So it'll have a home when it leaves the theaters. Uh, I don't see this going to Disney Plus, just for obvious reasons. Like, I, I can't imagine that little Timmy or Susie hopping on Disney Plus on a Saturday afternoon... You know, mom and dad are doing the dishes, cleaning the house or whatever. And they go, oh, X-Men. I like the X-Men. Let's watch this. And, you know, they get nightmares for two weeks. Never say never. But I could see it also going to Hulu, too. Yeah, the, no, who's, Hulu, I think, is more likely. But Disney Plus, depending on how the movie does at the box office. Because the subject matter, if anybody's not familiar with, the New Mutants in the 1980s was a second team created by Chris Claremont, who's longtime legendary X-Men writer. And more or less wanted to usher in a new generation of mutant heroes. And basically said, okay, everybody that's at Xavier's school for gifted mutants or gifted humans, they were already established. Cyclops, Wolverine, Jean Grey, Nightcrawler. The ones you know and love. Exactly. So this was a time to kind of hit the reset button. And the book is a very interesting read. It has some ups and downs depending on what you want to see with it. And it goes off in various directions. It's not a typical X-Men book by any means. Until you get to where they really make the transition about New Mutants 87, and that's where Cable is introduced, and they make this transition over to X-Force, where the groundwork has been established, and basically it was a long run to issue 100, and then they transitioned to X-Force 1. That being said, this movie is based off the Demon Bear Saga, which was in 1984, Bill Sankiewicz's artwork, which was amazing. It's trippy. It is just mind-blowing to see when this got matched up with Chris Claremont's version because it is essentially a horror movie at heart. Mm -hmm. And it does deal with a lot of the pent-up memories that each of the New Mutants have and how they get translated to real life. And the book is a a very good read. If you can get down to your local comic shops and see if they have the trade paperbacks. Because I have to imagine when the movie comes out, you'll probably see more of them pop up for the Demon Bear. But that being said, this movie was got a lot of hype behind it because when i heard about that i was like okay that's a very interesting take yeah and where they could go with it i really like the casting that we see in this movie and as we start with the trailer you see danny moonstar aka mirage who's played by blue hunt is basically dealing with an explosion kind of running and winds up in a in a hospital Mm -hmm. and you also see that there's a character um played by alice braga dr cecilia reyes who if you know x-men history is a reluctant X-Men mm-hmm. at one point. She does have mutant powers. I don't know if we're going to dabble with that in the movie, but she's also the you know doctor in residence at this, hosp- this psychiatric hospital. That's the feeling you get from this. Right. That wherever they're, st- wherever they're staying, it's not exactly the X-Mansion by any means. No. Which 
I, it's not exactly a, a sunny, bright and shiny day camp either. No, it definitely looks like it's run down. It's it's falling apart. It's not exactly kept up to standards. I'll say something. I just get the feeling off of looking at the place that it shouldn't exactly be open to begin with. That like it's not being officially run by like licensed medical staff and folks that are on the up and up with like whatever state's health board they're in that like they got all their licenses and certificates that like i just get the feeling of this place that it's like it's a couple of ragtag people who have their own agenda their own vendetta and they're just using it to their own ends it could be but i think this is also going to tie into where i'm going to go with the movie as we start deep diving into the trailer because at this point you see how danny is introduced to other kids at the school Mm -hmm. and you get a quick round table of a great lineup of the original new mutants team you see Rain Sinclair, a.k.a. Wolfsbane, who's played by Macy Williams, who you know yep. from Game of Thrones. Yep. Love the casting, too, by the way, for her in this in this film. And you start seeing that you get a little history about what, what's going on with her and how she basically can turn into a werewolf or a wolf creature at some degree. Then they fast forward to Charlie Heaton, who you know from uh, Stranger Things. He's played Sam Guthrie, a.k.a. Cannonball, who is a longstanding member of the New Mutants and X-Force and an X-Men at one point. And he has more um, kind of like he can charge himself up like a like a psionic burst, like a forced kinetic energy. Right. So th- that kind of dabbles in with him. You also see Roberto DaCosta, played by Henry Zaga, who's Sunspot, who you know has uh, solar absorption. And they kind of dip into why they're there. And you kind of see like flashes of their history. And you see Sam Guthrie. There's a lot tying into coal mines. And if you know anything about the Guthrie family history in the comics, you know that he has family that works in coal mines. Uh, the Costa is a kind of an interesting one because they just allude to that him. He t- starts talking about a uh, memory with him and his girlfriend, right? Or a girl he's seen at the time, and you kind of just see like some horror imagery, but you don't really know exactly what's going on there. And then you see who I think is going to be the star of the movie, Anya Taylor Joy, who is playing Ilya Rasputin, aka Magic. Mm-hmm. Now, if you know your X Men history, you know who her brother is, one and only Colossus, right? And Magic is a very tricky character in her own right. She has a unique history of basically going into a different timeline, having psychotic or psychic energy, and she can form the soul sword. Ah, I did not mess it up this time. Ah, uh, yet. Uh, yet, but still we got a long way to go in the segment. And basically deals with a lot of different areas, and I don't know how much they're going to dabble in her history. It's very long and it's very convoluted. Um, it's worth a read if you got the time, but I don't want to just drag this episode out. That they long. might they might simplify it, or knowing Fox and and histories and all that, they might just ignore it altogether. They could. Uh, I don't think they will because if you're going to establish the Soul Sword at this point, you're going to have to talk about Limbo and and just how she was taken away and and getting her training in an alternate timeline and comes back and it's going to get messy. I mean, so. but it's establishing it for all of a cup of tea. Right, but they're gonna they're gonna get it done because I never say never. This movie takes off. That maybe they want to kind of do some retooling at the end. Who knows? And with Mirage, her powers are more psychic abilities and can basically just create images with from her mind. So definitely a lot of firepower on this team, and it's a throwback to the original team too, which I love seeing on this. And as we start going through the trailer, you start seeing they're walking through wall or walking around walls, and you're seeing the walls change and shift. Like almost like 
breaking apart. You're seeing imagery trying to get through. Mm-hmm. You don't really have an idea what's going on. And it, then it flash forwards to where Moonstar's on an operating table and screaming, and Reyes looks like she's going to operate on her because she yeah. says something. We have to figure out how your powers work. It's a lot of shots that like you're used to seeing in some of the more recent uh, horror kind of like thriller movies. Yeah, which they they teased enough, but they didn't show a lot, which I liked. And I think this could actually work because if you know the source material, you have an idea what's going on. And when they start going through the different characters and basically admit that the demon, or they don't say the demon bear out loud, but they say this this place makes you relive your memories until they kill you. And you start seeing Sam Guthrie's coal mine memories and reliving and he starts screaming. And you start seeing how each character is affected by where they're at and how Ileana basically tells Magic or uh, Mirage that this is not a hospital, this is a prison. Mm-hmm. And you don't really have an idea what's going on. In my unofficial ODPH guess, they are at the X-Mansion. Mm. And the demon bear is is messing with their heads so much that they think they're trapped. Mm, could be. And they're trapped on their home turf, which that is the vibe I'm getting from this. That somehow, some way, he has messed with Mirage enough that it's now affected the team. Because it's going to tie into loosely, like I said, the comic issues that he was featured in. And where they go from there is kind of unknown. We only see a little flash of everybody's powers. At one point, you see Cannonball starting to you know, fire up. You see Sunspot start generating heat through his hands. And you see Magic generating the Soul Sword. Mm-hmm. And seeing her armor, because if you know her powers in the comic, she does have an armor around her Soul Sword hand. And then they kind of have a face-off as it leaves after the credits with magic falling from the sky, and there's an image that is starting to appear. Looks like it's coming out of like a tornado twister-looking thing. Right. So at this guess, this is where I'm going to start speculating. I think that image is the demon bear. And if you start looking at the IMDb page, Antonio Banderas is tagged to this film. Mm -hmm. Does not have a character next to him. I'm guessing he is going to represent the demon bear or who the demon bear is connected to in the comics and as Eli Bard, which is going to be a more interesting play to see how they translate that onto screen. Because maybe I don't think they want to do the actual demon bear on screen, but right. they, they might do it depending on how they want to do a special effects budget. Anybody's guess on this. And basically, as long as they keep it tied to the source material, I'm really interested to see how this is going to play out. Because... For the X-Universe to take a shot doing this storyline, I mean, the Demon Bear is not a household name by any means. No. You really have to know your New Mutants history to really appreciate where they're going with this. And like I said, Senkowitz's art in this book is absolutely amazing for its time. And the the story Chris Claremont writes in it, it's very trippy. It deals with a lot of psychological issues for each of the members because Mm -hmm. nobody is at this school that is pretty much unscathed. And when they start deep diving into everybody's history, especially... They all got their skeletons. They all have their skeletons for different reasons. I mean, Wolfsbane has a very unique origin, if you if you know her history. Uh, Cannonball 2, I don't think you're going to see maybe just a cameo of Husk at some point, his sister. Mm-hmm. Um, really might just hear Xavier get mentioned in name. Not a whole heck of a lot. Uh, I don't expect to see... Uh, Doug Ramsey or, or Warlock uh, involved in this film. I know we were talking to Online Warriors about this earlier. Shout out to them. That I, I think they're just going to keep it based around the original team. You're not going to see any reference to a lot of the future 
uh, team members that come on board, mm. um, whether it's Karma, whether it's Magma, whether it's any of those characters that are there shortly thereafter, the original setup of the team. This book, or this con- or movie rather, I think is going to just focus on the essence of the team. And then if it's successful enough, and that's a big if at this standpoint. That's a huge if. It's a huge if. But if it's successful enough, could this translate to a Disney Plus show? Could this translate to maybe a reboot in the MCU down the road? And I'm not saying anytime soon. I'm saying what phase are we going into? Phase five, Mm -hmm. maybe phase six, and that's a maybe at best. I don't think so. Well, it depends on what they want to do with the X-Men line. But if this movie does take off, I think the success of this movie is going to weigh heavy heavy on whatever Kevin Feige wants to do with it. I don't think he weighs anything at all on what Kevin Feige wants to do. Kevin Feige was planning what he was going to do with the X-Men and Fantastic Four characters regardless of what this film is going to do. Right. No, no. But what I'm saying is if this movie does, let's say it does $100 million at the box office. That'll be astounding. Just let's throw this out there. If it does it, do you think Feige's going to ignore it or do you think maybe... Oh, yeah. He'll ignore it. You really think you may, this makes $100 million, he's going to say whatever? Yeah. Wow. He's got a, he's got his own plan for this franchise. He's got a, this is coming off that the tales of the bomb that was Dark Phoenix that universally panned. That I think good luck finding a, a list of top ten worst movies of 2019 and finding it out other than someplace in the top three. That I don't think he's going to want anything to do with this. That it's not his project. It's nothing he worked on. No, but taking the characters and redoing mm, the, something. The with characters them? I can see. That's may- what I'm saying. Right, the characters maybe, but in terms of like. You know, the actors or the actresses or the story or any of that with this? No. This is a one and done. No, he'd reboot it, though. That's what I'm saying. He would yeah, re- maybe. He'd reboot it. Maybe. This makes it, but it has to make a lot of money at the box office to get that much of attention. I don't know if it's going to do it. I mean, it's coming, I don't think so. it's coming out at the right time. I mean, the only other better period piece that they could do it in is October. If yeah. They, if they want to push the horror level on it. I really want to get Mike C. and Rich's take on Horror Zone 607 about this. But in my opinion, if this makes a decent amount of money, the the characters could be included in the reboot. Because we don't know what Kevin Feige is planning on doing with the X-Men line. Mm-hmm. We just know that they are coming. And like I said, my longstanding ODPH opinion is you're going to hear mutants mentioned in Eternals. Because I think that they are going to try including every single Easter egg they can think of. To put in Eternals. It doesn't have an easy road in the bo- terms of the box office. I will say that. The week prior, uh, the live-action Mulan reboot, redo, whatever you want to call it, comes out. Uh, and then you've got New Mutants comes out the first week in April. The following week is James Bond. So they have literally like a one-week window to try and make any amount of money if they're going to make any amount of money. And then they're going to get slaughtered. One would think. So they, they have a lot of cards stacked against them. It's not to say it's out of the realm of thought. Like I said, I don't personally think it's going to hit $100 million. I am just wondering if this movie could create enough buzz that people want to see the characters reappear. And that's what I'm trying to get at with this. Yeah, maybe. It's a big maybe because they just redid the book for the Dawn of X line. Brisson's writing that one. Right. And it's coming out to rave, rave reviews about that. Well, I mean, the, my kind of hold, hold up with this entire movie is that it's the director's version, Josh Boone's version. And, you know, kind of the history with this movie was they filmed it. It was going to come out. You know, we saw the first trailer, you know, dig through our library on com to find it. You know, we talked about it and then it got delayed at least three times. Yeah. You know, it got the first delay was back in 2018. 
And there was talk that they were going to have Simon Kinberg, of course, who directed and produced uh, some of the X-Men movies and he directed Dark Phoenix. He was going to take the movie for reshoots to change its tone because the thing we had read and we had reported on, I want to say it was back in May of 2018, that it was not testing well in test screenings that, you know, it was and, and like a letter. I think the test screening uh, grade is on like a letter scale and it was getting like D's and C's. Mm-hmm. That, you know, people were saying it, it's kind of just a horror movie where they kind of forced the X-Men mutants name into it, that it wasn't doing well and that they were going to give it to uh, Simon Kinberg to kind of do some reshoots and change the tone of its uh, change the tone uh, for the movie. And then the next thing we heard what well, because we hadn't heard anything, you know, the next thing we heard was the Game of Thrones final season premiere. Uh, red carpet premiere where somebody asked Maisie Williams about it and you know because there were supposedly reshoots that we're going to do and the issue we'd heard with the reshoots was they'd torn down all of the sets for the for the film and they were going to have to rebuild the sets that they needed to do reshoots for and it was going to cost all this money and somebody asked Maisie Williams about it and she goes if they're doing reshoots I haven't heard anything about it and nobody's told me anything about it and then you had the bomb that was Dark Phoenix and we'd not heard anything until a couple of weeks ago where they're like, oh, hey, surprise, we're going to drop a trailer. Well, the movie had been done, so it was Disney's choice of what they really want to do with it. Like, originally, I think we discussed about it, that I think just putting it on Hulu would have been the incentive piece. Yeah. But the fact they're actually going to release it to movie theaters. Well, I mean, they had to release it in some capacity. Right, but just the fact they're actually going to do not a big budget rollout for it, it's going to be maybe a one and done for the week, depending on how much money it makes. Yeah. I think if anything, it's going to garner the interest of people thinking, is this going to be that bad? And that's going to drive ticket sales for one week. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm kind of skeptical that I'm probably backing off this just because if this is the version that was getting tested in theaters that people were kind of like on the scale, on this uh, line of not liking it, eh, it might pass. Well, I just want to know where they're going with it. The fact that it's been delayed so long, I'm actually intrigued by it. Like that's, I know it might sound messed up, but I mean they're going the path of putting it out and then never speaking of this movie again. Yeah, is it going to be really that bad? I don't know. I like I said when I read the casting for this movie, I was like, okay, this is actually a really smart cast knowing those characters. Your your telling sign will obviously be, you know, when the Rotten Tomatoes score comes out, you know, when the social media embargo gets lifted. And then when the review embargo gets lifted, if the review embargo isn't isn't up until like the minute the film comes out that like you can start seeing the film in theaters like six o'clock on April 3rd, 2020. Like if you can't see reviews until then, it's oh, that's a telling sign. Oh, it'd be a huge telling sign. I think another telling sign is you're trying to do a horror movie and it's only going to be PG-13. Uh-huh. That one, uh, like, I don't know. That's more of a, that's more thriller territory. Yeah, like, to say you were actually going to do a horror movie and not be rated R. Or maybe suspenseful. Yeah, like. We'll do, like, a suspense movie or something, but, like, a horror movie, PG-13? I mean, you. Franchises have tried that in the past, and it hasn't worked out. You rarely hear about that. I mean, just because, for whatever reason, I think the subject material, whether it's the physical or the mental aspect of a horror movie, Pushes it to an R rating. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you rarely hear about PG thirteen. I'm gonna have to tweet Mike see over at Horizon six and seven and say when was the last successful PG thirteen horror movie. Rich too. I'm gonna have to hit them both up about this and get some answers. But overall, I don't think the trailer looked that bad. I'm not blown away by it. I wasn't like, oh my god, I'd take my money now. But I think for all the pushing and shoving and rumors of why this movie didn't come out on time. I don't think it looks the worst, 
but I don't think it looks the best. I'm say the only other thing that confuses me is this is coming from the same dude who directed the Fault in Our Stars movie. Yes, it is. So that's just like, oh, you got the guy a happy, feel, love, you know, well, not necessarily a happy story, you know, lovey-dovey rom-com kind of movie, you know, when you watch with your girlfriend on a rainy Saturday, to I'm going to scare the absolute pants off of you. Well, that's to flip the coin. The IT director is doing The Flash, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not to say it's going to be a test of the water to see can they do another kind of swimming. Flashpoint. Uh, please, no. No, I, I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of Flashpoint. There's so. been some chatter. I know there has. Well, there's been so much chatter. Okay, you want to talk about movies that have been delayed? That movie. Yeah. And reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, what script are we even running with at this point? Pun intended. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I think maybe by the time this movie comes out, The Flash will be canceled from CW. So there'll be a void to fill. Maybe. I don't know. The only thing I can say about this in closing is New Mutants is finally going to hit the big screen. We live in 2020, folks. It's a weird time already. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Have you seen the trailer for New Mutants? And what are your thoughts if you have? I definitely want to have that conversation with everybody about this. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This is Nerd Bomber here, one of the co-hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our weekly podcast started as a way for three friends to keep in touch and discuss their passion for movies, gaming, technology, and entertainment. And since then, we've grown into a fantastic online community. Every Wednesday, we release a new episode discussing the latest nerdy news, and then we go hands-on with our weekly adventures and a fun trivia show. Sound interesting? Check us out on every podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or hit us up at onlinewarriorspodcast.com. Hey, this is Mike C. from Horror Zone 607, and you're listening to the ODPH, the most killer podcast on the planet. Coming back for the next segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to do a quick recap of Crisis on Infinite Earth because next week, as we are going to be recording, mm-hmm. the final two installments are getting released on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. That you're going to have, I believe, it's Arrow, and then the season premiere of Legends of Tomorrow. Correct. So that being said, they're going to go back to back. Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and then 9 p.m. Yep. And Crisis wraps up in one night. So to recap what has been going on, Pad, we are going to be talking spoilers. Yes. Overall, you've seen all three episodes. Mm-hmm. Have you watched them a couple times? Nah, just the one time. Been a little busy with the holidays and such. So we are going to just recap that this has been the storyline that's been building since Flash Season 1. Mm-hmm. That the big event of Crisis on Infinite Earths where the multiverse is in peril and Earths are getting destroyed by the Anti-Monitor, and the Monitor has picked and chosen his select warriors to stand up and fight to the Anti-Monitor to save the multiverse and save all the worlds. So the two, two giant celestial brothers having a disagreement. Right. And the fate of existence is on the line. So where's Mom to come in and separate the two? Send them to their rooms. No dinner. And this season uh, has been foreshadowed with what's going to happen in Crisis. During the Elseworlds yep. crossover, it was teased. We have seen Psycho Pirates face mask in Arkham Asylum, and then at the end of Elseworlds, they just flat out said, coming in 2019, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. So at this stage, Flash and Arrow have been doing their swan songs to all their fellow teammates, preparing for what they know 
is their end role. Right, because going coming into the season for kind of the whole Arrowverse at large, Barry and Oliver are really the only ones that, outside of the Monitor, obviously, that have any idea of what's coming. You know, Team Flash has kind of an idea with with the article from news article from the future, but like. Okay, that's one thing to have a, a rough idea based off of a news article. It's another thing to know, okay, not only is this going to happen, but here's what's going to cause it. Right, because that's all they've really kind of touched upon before they started digging into the, these two previous seasons. We've seen the Monitor show up in Legends in a quick cameo and showed mm-hmm. up in Supergirl at the end when Lex Luthor was killed off and has been now resurrected to set up for the final battle, which everybody, I guess, has been training or preparing for. Mm-hmm. And the multiverse is now slowly dwindling away. Earth, uh, Supergirl's Earth is gone. Yep. Earth 2 is gone. Yep. And the hits just keep rolling and rolling. We say at one point Black Lightning's uh, universe is gone. Yes, so now he is involved in the Earth 1 timeline. All for a cup of tea. All for a cup of tea, which... I think it goes to show of how many characters they have involved in this. Yeah, crossover. I mean, it was also slightly disappointing because it was kind of exciting because he's, you know, Black Lightning's what, three seasons in? Four yep, seasons? Three in? seasons. Three seasons in. Up to this point, he's had no connection or anything to do with the Arrowverse. He's been in his own, you know, universe, you know, doing his own thing. So it was, it was like, oh, cool. You know, we saw this, the cast photos of like them after they got done filming a scene or something. And it's like everyone in their suits standing there, arm in arm, smiling. It's like, oh, cool. We're finally going to get to see Black Lightning on the CW stuff, you know, interacting. And he was gone. He was gone. But they've had so many characters appear. Yeah. Crossing the gamut of the DC television universe. Mm-hmm. So we're taking it back to the 90s Flash. Yep. You're taking it to Batman 66. Mm-hmm. You're taking it to the legendary Batman 89 movie. You're taking this to the ill-fated Birds of Prey TV show, yeah. which nobody talks about. No. You're taking it to the DC Universe with Titans. You're forgetting the most important one, Smallville. Uh, what, what show is that? I, I don't remember. The show that made all of this possible. Uh, you, you have to elaborate. I just, I'm blanking. <laughs> Without Smallville, Arrow would not be here. This even is, even Mark Guggenheim has said as much. This is very true. To bring it back to the, all the cameos and all the actors and actresses that have came back for this. This has been the absolutely best fan letter that the CW can write to the fans. Mm-hmm. They have stuck with it since day one. Because like Pat touched upon, if there wasn't a Smallville, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have any Arrowverse on TV. Well, say so Smallville did team-up episodes. I, I remember there was one episode in the later seasons after season five where they had their quote-unquote Justice League episode where it was Superman and Flash and Aquaman and Arrow and, and all that. And like, I, I, like, I thought at the time that was the pinnacle. That, like, you know, they they fought Lex. They def- they foiled Lex's plan. There's a slow-motion shot of them walking away from an exploding building, and I thought that was, like, the pinnacle. Like, that was the greatest thing we were going to see on TV from, like, DC. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was wrong. No, this one, they definitely raised the bar. They did what they needed to do, and that was established that this event crosses that far. It's that impactful. The stakes are that high. That we said, in night one, they destroyed Supergirl's Earth. Oliver Queen is allegedly dead. That has been long prophesied, Mm -hmm. albeit, though, different than what the Monitor had said. Right. Stephen Amell's swan song as Oliver Queen happened right in night one. So you knew the stakes were rolling. Night two is Batwoman, which has been very polarizing to some fans. I think it's been getting better by each episode. Yeah. 
and to see that the the mantle of the bat has now been officially given to Kate Kane, played by Ruby Rose, it was a great sign. We saw the one and only Kevin Conroy be a live action Bruce Wayne. Finally. Finally, albeit though borrowing heavily from the Dark Knight Returns. Nah, just a thing or two. Which was awesome to see, albeit though he was gone way too quickly for my liking in this episode. Well, like you said though, they had a lot of moving parts to deal with. Would it have been cool to see him in an extended role on the show? Yes, but given the subject material and just kind of, like you said, all the moving parts, they they did with what they could. Oh, absolutely. It made sense. Like I think for me, if you were really going to go all out, it should have been two weeks. I would I would have gone completely made a super epic. But I understand why they don't. Five nights is a lot to do for TV, so I get it. Mm-hmm. But then going into the third night, you saw how Flash and his universe was affected by this. That they did the cosmic treadmill scene, which is long staple of... The Crisis on Infinite Earth comic from Marvel Wolfman and George Press from the 80s where they reset the entire timeline and there's so many characters involved. And you want to talk about moving parts in that? Mm-hmm. You think about how much unlimited a comic book imagination is. Right. And how many characters George Press put in that book. And you literally have everybody in the DCU. Even characters we're not going to see on TV, which is debatable if if they needed to be on the show or not because the CW is forming their own. There are certain ones, like I said, Commandy, you don't see on there. We haven't seen a lot of the Legion of Superheroes yet. Right. There's so many different heroes you can see on there that to see how everybody is mixed in for the CW and how they're borrowing iconic moments and adding them to the show is truly something special. Mm -hmm. Like I said, we see the John Wesley ship flash. Yeah. And how the Barry Allen from Earth-90 which the original Flash series on CBS came out, and how he had finally had his swan song since the show was canceled. Mid-season. Mid-season. But how he had a swan song to, you know, like I said, it's just been nothing but a fan letter. And to see Black Lightning finally join the Arrowverse after being in his own planet for a while. Mm-hmm. All these moments are just making up for how impactful this series is. And this is why we've talked about it so long, that what happens after here is resetting everything. Albeit, though, there was some news that came out Mm -hmm. that has really thrown, I don't want to say a curveball, but it definitely has kind of tarnished how this is going to end for me at least a little bit. And the big news about this is all the CW DC shows have been renewed. With the exception of Arrow because obviously it's ending. Right. Arrow is ending. They have not officially announced the Green Arrow and Canary series yet. Mm -hmm. It's... All but certain that's coming. I mean, the the ninth episode in season eight of Arrow is titled Green Arrow and the Canaries. If that doesn't sound like the setup or like the jumping off point for a new series, uh, you're wrong. Exactly. But they have not officially said that that yeah. is coming. That yeah. is still only filmed the pilot, pilot episode that we know of. Mm-hmm. Will it come next TV season? I would imagine so. But for this Arrowverse to have everybody get renewed... I don't know if that takes away from the ending. Like I said, for me, it kind of does. I would have loved it to have happened after Crisis came out. They made the announcement. I mean, I get that, but at the same time, you know, they're kind of on a timeline with this stuff. They have to do this by a certain date so that they can sell ad time and all this. So as nice as it would have been for us, the fans, to, oh, you know, oh, great. They didn't, they waited until after the crossover was done, you know, to announce the shows. 
they didn't just announce the CW, the DC shows are back. They announced like their entire television lineup is coming back. You know, everything from this, this the DC stuff to Charmed and, and Dynasty and, and and I'm reading off a list here. You know, Roswell, New Mexico, like pretty much everything on their lineup that isn't ending. So Arrow, Supernatural, and the 100 is coming back. They're kind of beholden to greater powers in themselves, which I understand. Like I I get it, but from the fan in me, I would have been like, all right, let's hold off on it. But again, like I said, I would have gone for 10 nights for Crisis. But like I say, I just think differently about this stuff. And I would try to include in every single character I could get my properties on to be involved in this. But I digress. I'm still in love with the series, so I'm good. Going into the final two episodes, we know from some spoilers that have been released, there is a uh, photo out of the characters involved in crisis and we see one oliver queen is now back as the specter which has been heavily rumored mm-hmm. so they have tipped their hand with that uh certain characters have been added to the poster certain have not so going into the final two episodes and we know that for each of the episodes the main character has been the focus mm-hmm. so albeit the first episode was all about supergirl's earth because it was a supergirl episode right batwoman was all about the passing of the mantle of the bat flash was about the iconic cosmic treadmill scene and the Supergirl holding the dead Superman in her arms until it was evaporated. So mm-hmm. I was right about that at the Robocon panel. You're welcome. Going into this with Arrow and Legends, what are you expecting to see out of this? I mean, I'm hoping for a slightly better story. I mean, I, the story's been great. The the action has been great. It's just my beef, and I've said this on previous episodes, has just been how long it took to build up to where we are that I, I said on previous episodes. I feel like some of the stuff in the first two episodes should have been left and sprinkled in through earlier episodes of some of the shows that it should have been action, you know, you know what to the wall bonkers stuff that I felt like once we hit like a certain point in the third episode, it was like, all right, this is where it's picking up. This is where I'm getting really invested. See, for me, that's why I said it should have been longer. And like I said, I know I'm fan servicing my, my own ideas of saying 10 episodes. If this was even six episodes, I think it would have been been beneficial. See, I feel, I feel like once you reach six or more, that you're, it's just long in the tooth and it's very hard for, to keep people invested on something for two solid weeks. Well, I think for this though, if they had every character and gave more screen time to everybody that was involved, because like I said, we had great cameos, which have been great and they've been very, very well placed in here. I think to give some other characters some team up time and get some more other characters involved that were in the actual comic, I think it would have been more beneficial to the overall story, but I get why they don't though. And like I say, I'm not mad that they only did five episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm just greedy because I love the story and I just want to see you know how much they could have added more into this. But seeing what they could do with Arrow, obviously we know we're going to see Oliver Queen as the Spectre. Mm-hmm. That's already been tipped off. There's no foreshadowing about There's that. There's a poster. There's a poster. He's in the full garb of the Spectre. We know that that is happening. And I'm expecting to see a very big fight scene involving this. That's the one thing I'm holding out for and the one thing I'd like to really pay off the fans. You know, not just the fan service and everything else, but, have, you know, like, there, I forget, I think it was Crisis on Earth X was the really one good shot where it was, like, all the heroes in a line getting ready and, like, doing that charged, ready to fight. Mm-hmm. I want to see that, but obviously it wasn't everyone and it wasn't everyone we know. It was kind of, like, the major players for the story. I want to see that with this one, but all of Team Arrow all of Team Flash, all of the legends, you know, Batwoman, and just every major character that's just charging down for the fight. Oh, I definitely agree with you. I think you're going to see that being this episode. I think with Arrow now focusing on Oliver being the Spectre, 
That's his swan song episode. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have the biggest battle you've seen on the CW by far in this episode. Legends, I will admit, I don't know what's going to be on that other than a cleanup episode and I reestablishing mean, the, the timeline that's now merged. I mean, the, the description on IMDb reads, quote, worlds lived, worlds died. Nothing will ever be the same, close quote. Well, yeah, because now they have one stream timeline. I mean, that's what happens at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths. I did say we were talking spoilers at the beginning, so you have been forewarned, and we'll have that in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. That being said, that I think that the Time Bureau is going to have the Legends make sure that everything is in its proper place now, Mm -hmm. and a lot of characters are going away. We're going to see some new ones. We might see some ones come back. I don't know necessarily who, though, Mm -hmm. because it's already been announced that... Ray Palmer is leaving the show. Right. Brendan Roth is leaving at the end of the season, uh, yep. along with his wife there. Uh, so we know that that is happening. Who else is going to be leaving? I don't know. I mean, they have introduced the new Adam in the show, mm-hmm. Ryan Choi. Uh, so he'll. I would imagine he might be joining up with the Legends. Yeah, yeah, probably. I would imagine that is going to happen at some point. Uh, other than that, I mean, it's kind of wide open about who else they can include in this. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's the cool thing about it is – the, the door is wide open if they want to have any new characters get at it. And right. I, but the only thing that, like I said, they tip their hat about a little too much is you've now renewed certain shows. You only know that Superman and Lois is coming, that that has been picked up. Well, for, not officially. Not officially, but it's the same way as Green Arrow and the Canaries or whatever that show is going to be finally titled. I don't think that's going to be the remaining title for that show. But you know those two shows are coming. I think with The Flash, it's hard to say what's going to happen after this season. The The thing with Flash is that it's all dependent on what Grant Gustin wants to do because the way that I've read it is that Grant Gustin's contract is through this season. After that, if they want to do another season of Flash with Grant Gustin, they have to sign him to a new contract. So it's all kind of dependent on what he wants to do. What do you think he's going to do? I think it'll, depending on what they kind of pitch to him because I can't imagine he'll just blindly agree to it. We know actors who've done that in the past, blindly agreed to projects and then regretted it later. Ryan Reynolds, green lantern. Um, I think it'll kind of depend on what they pitch to him with the story and where they want to go with the character. And I think if it's something he feels that he's down for and would kind of expand on the character and, and make it greater than it already is, he'll be all for it. But if it's something that he's looking at like, ah, you know what? I'm not really feeling that. I wouldn't fault him for stepping away. I have a feeling he's done. I think, though, this season, it'll be what? Season 8 they're trying to re-sign him for? I believe so. I think he's done his part and carved his niche in the CW TV universe. I mean, honestly, unless it was going to be a Captain Cold rogues gallery season to send off, which I've been long pressing for them to do. I know that uh, what Wentworth Miller is mm-hmm. not, no longer a part of the Arrowverse, and I get that recast the role and that be a swan song because that that'll is, be like trying to recast Heath Ledger as Joker though and I realize it might be apples and oranges but Wentworth Miller was just so good as Captain Cold oh I agree with you replacing him is hard it's gonna be replacing him or unless you can talk him to come back for a half season and that be how you end the show that's that's the only way you can do it I don't want to go through another cicada season I'm sorry cicada. Nah, but he was so great <laughs> <laughs> great about what making me turn the channel like i'm sorry i didn't care about the character nothing against chris klein and how he acted i just had no investment in the character same thing with savitar you have one of the best rogues galleries do something with flash 
so I wouldn't doubt if he walks and they want to tie up the series. Like I say, doing the same character for eight years is tough. Mm-hmm. And to find new material to do it with, like I say, unless they're going to try doing it where they introduce uh, Wally West again, Bart yeah. Allen, yeah. start dipping into the Speed Force history. Yeah. And, and I just, I, like, I don't see the point. Like I say, the only thing that would interest me is doing the Rogue Scaler for an entire season. And Supergirl, I think, is kind of in the same boat, right? Supergirl is in the same boat. Uh, it's also dependent on Melissa Benoist signing a new contract, which I've been reading some chatter. Who's to say, you know, we can't read minds. We don't know what she's thinking, but a lot of people wouldn't be surprised if she looks at other projects and moves on. I wouldn't doubt so either. I think the, the tough point, and nothing against Supergirl, because I, I really enjoy Supergirl. I think the tough part you're going to have is two Superman shows under the Superman banner. Mm-hmm. On the same network. Yeah. And that's the problem with Supergirl being connected to Superman. I, like, one has to go. Supergirl has done some great work since they joined the CW from CBS. Uh, the show has drastically improved. Mm-hmm. Just where it goes from here is tough. And especially if you're already announcing you're going to do a Superman and Lois series, is there room for two super shows on the CW? I don't think so. No, I don't either. I, I just... I just don't see that happening. But that's me personally. There's nothing against the show, and I would like to see it eventually morph into the Legion of Superheroes. I know I'm stretching to make it happen, mm-hmm. but they have tied in in the past. What's to say you don't have a small group come into this timeline from the future and go right. go there? They just did the relaunch with Bendis writing. It's not out of the realm of thought to do. Just mix up the lineup a little bit. Yeah. So I'd like to see that kind of roll out, or unless they're going to do a Martian Manhunter series. I know I'm stretching, but my fandom is saying I'd love to see that. Just get one season of a run and see what happens. Or do it like a showcase series. Yeah. Just, just five episodes of each character and let them run through. It could happen. Yeah. Everybody else, though, Batwoman, I'm excited to see get renewed. I want to see what direction they go in. Legends, I think, kind of depends on a lot of different factors, too. Yeah, well, Legends, I kind of, unless things change, I foresee this being the last season of Legends. And and for those kind of curious what I'm referring to, uh, Legends of Tomorrow has a very high budget, obviously so, because it's not just, it's not as simple as with Arrow or Flash, and you just got to, you know, they film in Vancouver, uh, Canada, so they got to go around different parts of Vancouver, Canada, and the, and the city and all that, and film. Legends of Tomorrow, it's traveling in different times and to different places, so they got to kind of branch out a little bit, and they got to put everyone in costume, and then you got to factor in all the special effects that go in with the show, and by contrast, you have that high budget, and the rating aren't all that great so i fear unless the rate and i have enjoyed the hell out of the show the show's been great it's american doctor who you know it's american doctor who it's fantastic you know but unless the ratings get better i can't see cw going yeah let's do another season of this like we're putting all this money into it and we're not getting a lot back in return well that's the tough part of legends from where it started to where it is now and it's definitely gone in some different directions albeit i like it and, and I've said it here, and I, I'll say it again. It's American Doctor Who. It's it's very quirky. It makes sense. Yeah. But it's just different than the other CW shows. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I just don't know where they could go necessarily from here. Uh, same thing with Black Lightning. I'd like to see him maybe get a, a ratings boost from being now involved in the CW. That would be my guess, because that's the thing I've always heard for a number of years was that the ratings weren't all that great for Black Lightning, and I think part of that is definitely because 
people might have tuned in for the first episode, but once they saw it wasn't connected in any way, shape, or form to the Arrow verse and, and everything going on there, they might have tuned out because, well, I don't know who the character is. I don't know all that much of the, about them. And watching these episodes is not going to lead to anything to do with Oliver or Barry and have them team up. So why bother watching? No, I, I agree with you. I think that's one thing that he doesn't have a deep rogues gallery. So if he came over to Earth-1, he has more antagonists to mess around with. Mm-hmm. Like I think the one thing that they should have done with Black Lightning is involved characters from the Milestone universe. I mm-hmm. think that would have been an awesome addition to that universe and see some of those characters get involved. Uh, could that happen now? Absolutely. Yeah, maybe. But I think that for Black Lightning, I think that uh, him being part of the CW Earth-1 is just going to open up some doors, and I'd like to see the ratings get boost. I love the show. I think the show is very good. I love how they center around his family, and that's kind of the the overall uh, driving force of the show, mm-hmm. and how it's really taken has balanced out being a father to kids uh, that have superpowers, and how that plays into him being a normal superhero, and then being the principal of the school. There's just so much different elements around that you don't see that on the other CW shows, and I think that I really want to see it get renewed. Um, like I said, I'm a big fan of the show. Mm-hmm. I've been catching up on the off-season times, shall we say. The downtime. The downtime. So I'd love to see what they go through there. And like I say, if they really want to make something crazy, uh, like I said, start borrowing from other properties in the DC Universe and yeah. really, really push his superhero level to the max. And that's what I want to see with this. So overall, Pad, that being said, we got two more episodes to go. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of ground to cover next week. Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming is going to be in studio as well, recapping, because there's going to be a lot to digest of where the direction of the CW is going after this. Mm-hmm. But hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about Crisis on Infinite Earths? Have you caught up? Are you excited for the one night, two episode finale? Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I'm Harrison. I'm Jordan. Well, I am Harrison. I'm fucking Jordan. All right. And we're, we're the, the Grief Rio Podcast. podcast. Let us be your unnatural Sherpa guides on this existential plane of mountainous game and movie exploration. And don't forget about that spookiness that lives within us all. But mainly in you, you spooky bitch. I'm offended. We've been voted the best podcast to listen to by many. By many? That means a few. That's more than one. Results may vary. We'll see you on the next episode of Grief Burrito. Yeah! Yeah! Hey, this is Vince, the Common Man Seatoy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for the final segment in this edition of the ODPH podcast. Kind of a short week on the news front, so we're going to just jump right into one shots and go from there. Sure. So, Pat, why don't you lead us off? Well, first off, I got to lead uh, off with a recommendation that I got uh, thrown to me by a friend of the show, Liz Bailey. Uh, just she just finished a show on Netflix that she said I should definitely recommend on the show uh, and that I should watch immediately. I will get to it. I promise. Uh, that is Messiah, which just came out on Netflix. It is a ten episode show uh, where I, I now now I haven't. 
watched it. She hasn't spoiled it for me. So, but I am reading off of the description on IMDb. Uh, it says when a CIA officer investigates a man attracting international attention and followers through acts of public disruption, she embarks on a global high stakes mission to uncover whether he is a divine entity or a deceptive con artist. Close quote. Uh, I did check out the trailer for it uh, a couple weeks ago. It very, looks very much like a, the, the character, the main character in this show uh, played by, uh, again, I'm, well, I'm not going to say who because I'm not entirely sure who it is. So apologies there. But it looks like the main character is doing kind of biblical, you know, acts that are attracting a mass following. And now you have the CIA trying to figure out, is this guy legit or is he kind of like fibbing some stuff? So she said it was the best show she, she's ever seen on Netflix. And Netflix has some great shows. So definitely something to check out if you're looking for something, maybe a little drama, mystery, thriller, a whodunit, who is he kind of thing. And I've seen it's been getting some uh, traction online and some definitely some talk with some people going, wait, what in the heck is going on here? Well, Netflix definitely needs something. I know that the uh, trailer for Lock and Key dropped today. Mm-hmm. That's the adaptation from the IWD line. Yeah. Or IDW line. Oh, I say. yeah. Uh, so I haven't seen that yet. But if Netflix can start bouncing back because they need to do something. Mm-hmm. Disney Plus has overtaken them. With one show and one character. In all of like six months. And less than six months. More like less than six weeks right now. Oh, yeah. You know, you're right. Less than six weeks. And we say that because there was an article that came out uh, yesterday or the two days ago, whatever it is, um, where in six weeks, uh, Disney Plus is worth a whole, little over $100 billion and is worth like, what was it, like 69% of Netflix's entire uh, value. Yeah, it's crazy. Or something crazy. It is crazy. How quickly they've taken over. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, Netflix needs to do something. Um, Messiah definitely sounds like an interesting show. Shout yeah. out to Liz. Uh, and I'm more excited maybe to drop a little review of the IDW comic trailer yeah. coming to Netflix. Because I completely fell off my radar that the show was coming. Right. But now that it is, I definitely want to take a peek at it. So, go from there. Yeah. So, then uh, some other stuff we got to mention. Uh, there was a little bit of casting news in the Amazon Lord of the Rings series. Uh, Robert... Um, Excuse me, of Robert Arameo, uh, who is best known for playing young, young Ned Stark in the Game of Thrones series, has reportedly been cast is in the leading role. Now, uh, this is according to Deadline. He will be playing a young hero named Beldor. Uh, not really sure much about him. I did a, a Google search. It looks like it might be an original character or something that you know Tolkien didn't expand on too much uh, in his lore with all everything going on in Middle Earth. But uh, Deadline said he is replacing replacing Will Poulter, uh, who you might know from Black Mirror, who apparently left the project. After he had some scheduling uh, difficulties, you know, so that'll be something definitely interesting to check out. Uh, the show's already been renewed for a second season. We haven't even seen the goddamn thing yet. <laughs> uh, it's going to be set well before the film trilogy as we, you know, well, film saga, I guess you could say, because there's six films in the, the entire saga. So, you know, don't expect to see anyone you know from the films or any characters. You might see some allusions to Sauron and, and kind of what he's going on and maybe a setup for that at some point. But it'll definitely be something to see. And I'm. To my knowledge, we still don't know when this darn show is coming out. No, they keep adding more and more information to it, but except the start date. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. I mean, going into doing a prequel like this, stakes are high. Yeah. Stakes are real high. Got to stick with the realm of Lord of the Rings because <laughs> there's a video game coming, and I did not know about this. Surprising. How? I, yeah, no, I have no idea. So apparently this game was announced back in March of 2019, and it is Lord of the Rings Gollum, and that it was uh, confirmed for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and PC in 20, 
uh, 21. Uh, the, uh, the studio did an interview with Edge Magazine for its February 2020 issue, and it had some interesting things uh, it said in the article. Uh, for starters, the studio has set out to invent its own version of Gollum rather than follow the look given to him by uh, Peter Jackson in the films. Uh, they say, quote, Tolkien didn't give a size reference for Gollum to begin with. So in the first illustrations, he's gigantic. He's like a monster emerging from the swamp. And I was reading this going and I had to dig into my memory and go, you know what? They're right. Like at no point does he say how big and stat or small in stature he is. It's just kind of like I've been reading the books since the films coming out come out. So I kind of just put the film characters in my head when I'm reading the books. So that'll be something interesting to see how they portray him because I know in recent game history, the first uh, Shadow of Mordor game or whatever it was called uh, on PlayStation 4, uh, Gollum showed up and it was again you know, look like Andy Serkis's Gollum in the, in the movies. Mm-hmm. So it'll definitely be something to just uh, definitely something to check out. You're going to play as Gollum when he's uh, deep into his corruption by the one ring. That's the one thing I think they don't really convey in the films is that like when Gollum is showing up in the Lord of the Rings, he's already like a couple hundred years old that just because he's had the ring for so long, you know, so it's going to be him in the middle of that. So there's going to be a dual personality, uh, feature. I don't even know if feature is the right word to it, where some points you'll be playing as Gollum, some fe- points you'll be playing as Smeagol. You know, obviously there'll be some sneaking going on with it because if you've seen Lord of the Rings, you know he's a very sneaky character. So it'll definitely be something interesting to check out if you're a Lord of the Rings fan. I know I'm going to probably pick this up. I'm just amazed you didn't know about it. Yeah, no, I'm, I I'm am not, too. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm stressing. I'm not meaning this as a slight. No, yeah. Too. Just you're usually like Mr. Lord of the Rings. So I'm yeah. Like, no, I, I missed this entirely. Man. No, yeah, very surprising. Uh, switching gears a little bit, there wasn't a very surprising and I will say very good announcement for James Bond, uh, which is coming out in very few short months. Uh, no, it is who is taking o- over to score the film, and that is one legendary composer, Hans Zimmer. Who? Uh, well, that's the thing. If you haven't heard of this gentleman, uh, he composed the. Uh, so he was a composer on Dunkirk, uh, Interstellar, Inception, Gladiator. I know he's he, he's done a few DC films. He did Blade Runner twenty forty nine. He did some some Kung Fu Panda movies, Interstellar, like I mentioned, Twelve Years a Slave, Man of Steel, Inception, Dark Knight Rises, Dark Knight. You know some of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. I mean, you if you go to his IMDb page and run through every everything he's done as a composer you'll find something you know that he's done so yeah no very cool, all over the place very cool news very awesome news i'm very happy to see that he's gonna uh be doing it you know it, it's also sad though because david arnold uh has done you know I, if i'm not saying he's done every bond film soundtrack under in the daniel craig for you know saga franchise whatever you want to call it so it's kind of sad to see him go but it's it's an upgrade in my opinion yeah, definitely. I'm excited about that news. Yeah, no, and then the other uh, interesting news we got is we got some Batman news, some casting news, which, which, if I'm not mistaken, is filming right now. Yes. They're filming over in London. If you see some of the set photos, there's some very exciting stuff. I won't go into spoilers or details, but hey, you can uh, search it out on your own. Uh, no, we got some interesting casting news, and that being that we know who's going to... Of course, we know that Robert Pattinson is playing Bruce Wayne. Jeffrey Wright is playing Commissioner Gordon. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is playing Selena Kyle. Uh, Paul Dano is playing the Riddler, but we got an interesting cast for who, uh, well, official casting announcement. There was, he's been rumored and kind of tagged to it for a while, but this is official now. Uh, who is playing Oswald Cobblepot, the Penguin, that being one Colin Farrell. Very interesting casting with yeah. that one that it's now official. Yep. 
Uh, I'm not mad about it. No. Um, I'm really just intrigued what Reeves is doing. Mm-hmm. Like everybody he's casted. I mean, the Dano casting for the Riddler. Yeah. Has been my favorite one thus far. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited to see what he's going to do. And like I've said on the show many times before, putting that many villains in one film, mm-hmm. let alone we know it's going to be a trilogy, I'm banking this is Long Halloween. It has to be. Yeah. We haven't heard about an official Two-Face casting yet. No. So stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine that's if they're going to be doing Long Halloween, Two-Face will be involved. Uh, if you know anything about the comic, and I don't think I spoiled anything by saying that, uh, it has basically a who's who list of Batman villains involved. Yeah, yeah. So stay tuned for that. But I'm, I'm okay with Farrell being a part of it. No, yeah, I am too. I think obviously, I think it might go with more of a look like you saw with uh, Gotham, the TV series with that Penguin. I can't imagine they're gonna make him put him in a fat suit. No, he won't be the Tim Burton version. He won't be like the Tim Burton version. It'll be very interesting to see. And I was kind of maybe a little on the fence about this, but and I won't go into details. But I did see a, a photo from the set of something that is. Not going to be like a main feature or main, you know, not like when uh, Zack Snyder unveiled the Batmobile with Batman v Superman kind of thing. Like there's something that I saw a photo of that somebody took of that I saw is going to be, you're, you're going to see in the film. And I went, okay, I'm okay with this. I'll tell you what it is off air. Okay, solid. I can't wait for this film. No, yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, Pattinson, I'm, I'm sold on. So mm-hmm. get, get ready for that. Yeah. Keeping the movie news going, there was a big rumor casting to the new Thor movie coming out. Uh huh. One Christian Bale, since we're talking Batman. Wait, who is he again? Uh, the Batman. Oh. Well, of Christopher Nolan's trilogy. Oh. Okay. I should say the Batman because I know you're, you're going to start a fight with that one. I'll start, but you know what? As long as it's not Clooney, I'm good. Yeah. Even or, or, listen. Or even, Cl- even Clooney admits that his film was bad. Yeah. I mean, dig up, dig up the. He was on an episode of Graham Norton. So if you find like if you YouTube Graham Norton George Clooney Batman, I'm sure you'll find the clip. Yeah. If it's Keaton or Bale, we, we can discuss. And everybody else. Yeah. Well, Pattinson's not. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't yeah, say him. Sure, he's out. So Christian Bale is now rumored to be attached to the Thor Love and Rockets, Love and Thunder, Love and Thunder. Thank you. I keep on so thinking he's in discussions. For the con- yeah, I just keep on thinking it's Thor four. Yeah. So he's being discussed to be added to the film. Mm-hmm. So Pad, let me ask you this: Who do you think he's playing? I uh, see. I don't know because I'm not all that familiar with Thor characters and whatnot. But I can't imagine that it's going to be a small role. That it's going to be a one or two scenes, and then you're done, over and done with. That like, he's going to be a character that shows up for a bulk, if not a majority, of the movie. You know that it's something like I know Beta Ray Bill's name has been thrown out a bunch. You know whatever it ends up being, it's not going to be like a, it's not going to be like a Maz Kanata in uh, Last Jedi, where it was for one scene type mm-hmm. type of thing. I imagine that it's going to be a major role because you don't bring in a guy of Christian Bale's stature. You know, for one role or or one little scene in a movie. No, I, I fully agree with you. And I, I know we've had some Twitter debate. And like I say, I love it when people are interacting and giving their picks. Uh, for me, I threw the long shot out. And I just I'm going to explain this. I took a shot that he's Namor. Mm, could be. I, I know the big rumor that was breaking this weekend on MC Cosmic. The, the, rum, the rumblings. Yeah, on MCU Cosmic mm-hmm. was that Marvel reacquired the Hulk and Namor rights from Universal. How, we don't know, but that if if the long... And this is something that admittedly has never been confirmed. The long-held rumor that with the rights to these film franchises that they had to do one every X number of years. 
the the deal with Universal because Universal, to to our knowledge, still officially because nothing's been officially confirmed, still owns the rights to Hulk. Disney slash Marvel can use the character in whatever film they want, but in, when it comes to doing a solo Hulk movie, Universal would be the ones to do it. Now, how in the world they might have gotten these back, I have no idea. It'll be I'm all for it though. Yeah, no, I'm I'm completely for it. But like I say, when you're attaching Christian Bale to Love and Thunder, and I have to remember it's Love and Thunder, not Love and Rockets. Love and Rockets is a great indie comic. Ah. Um, but Love and Thunder, I like. I'm I'm just saying, if it's Namor, it would make sense because, like you touched upon, I don't see Christian Bale signing on to the MCU for a one and done. Mm-hmm. I just I don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. Uh, but like I say, if he's Namor, it would make sense. Even though I'm with Andre from Cinema Obscura, I'm really hoping it's Daniel Wu. Who plays Namor? Okay. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see about that. Uh, the only other person that I think he could play, if you want to talk to Jason Aaron run, yeah. is Gore the God Butcher. Right. That's the only one. I mean, Beta Ray Bill would be okay, except I just would hear the Batman voice in Beta Ray Bill, and I, <laughs> I, I just I can't. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Right. Um, so that being said, uh, Gore the God Butcher would be interesting uh, to see him play that character. It would yeah. definitely add a lot to yeah. uh, where I think they're going, and they're doing, they're going to do the Jane Foster Thor story. Right. No. I yeah. Think they that's are. all but official. Yeah. Well, so, they, they kind of let uh, they kind of let Jane. I forget. I'm blanking on the actress's name. Natalie Portman. Thank you, Natalie Portman. Hold the freaking hammer. Right. So kind of tip in the hand there. Right. So I, I think they gave a little too much with it because, I, like I said, I don't think you're going to see Chris Hemsworth in this film that much. I think this is prelude for how he gets to Guardians 3. Could be. Because, you know, technically he's supposed to be with him in space, so who knows what's Could happening. be. Who knows? But with Christian Bale joining, like I said, my long shot is he's Namor. I mean, like we said, it very well could be Namor because the thing with the deal is, and I forgot to close out my thought on that, was like we said, they have to do a film every X number of years. We've never known what the official number is, if that is even an th- actual thing, but because we've heard probably every number in existence. But the last Hulk film was, I believe, in 2008, so that puts it at 12 years ago, which I think would kind of, if that that agreement is what it is, that you got to do a movie every X number of years, well, they're 12 years removed, I would imagine that the rights revert if that is the case. And I know Namor doesn't have a lot per se to deal with Thor. Right. But if you're going to attach Christian Bale with it, you're going to give him a big platform to get introduced. Mm-hmm. Not saying we're going to get a Namor movie. I think if Aquaman hadn't come out and Aquaman hadn't have had the success it did, you absolutely would have. But I think because Aquaman came out and Aquaman is the huge success that it was, I think that might have put it on the back burner. It might put it on a back burner, but I could see Namor coming out being in a cameo in this film. Because yeah. they're not saying that he's going to be the villain in this film. Right. He's just attached to it. So if they did a prelude here and then go Black Panther 2 and have a face-off against T'Challa, <coughs> excuse me, I'm there all day for that one. Yeah. Give me a political thriller. Give me something different than the cookie-cutter MCU. I'm good. I am there. But definitely interested to see what Christian Bale is going to bring to the MCU. I mean, he's going to crush it wherever he's playing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like I said, if it's going to be based off the Aaron run, Gore the God Butcher is, is my pick to happen. But we had that debate on Twitter, so definitely join in that conversation about that because it's been a very lengthy one. Shout out to every indie pod that joined in on that one. All our fans joined in as well. Uh, it's still going, so keep going and keep adding your suggestions if we, there's somebody that we left out on this one. That being said, going to the comic shops this week, uh, two books that are jumping out at me. DC, Batman 86. The Titan era kicks off now with Tony Daniel on art. Uh, I'm excited to see where this is going. Tom King has now left the Bat- Batman title. 
He's returning, though, with Batman Catwoman, uh, mm-hmm. which will be coming out. But this is tying in start to his run on Batman, so I'm super excited to see what he's bringing on there. And then going to Marvel, I guess I say this every week, but I mean it. Strong X-Men week coming out. New Mutants, as we touched upon with Ed Brisson, and X-Force 5, Ben Piercy writing. Enough said there. Yeah. Get down to your local comic shops. Shout out to Justin at Sound Go Round. Shout out to Brian at Cheers to Comics. You know he's hitting you off with the Wednesday pull list. So there's lots of selections to hit up your shop and go pick up. So definitely get down there and go check it out. Yeah, and also for me, because you know I got to talk some Star Wars, there was a very interesting uh, Star Wars release that came out. I believe it was issue two in The Rise of Kylo Ren uh, came out this week. And then I also still got to read issue one of the Star Wars kind of relaunch with uh, Empire Strikes Back. Because if the if there wasn't enough tease for you already, uh, they put out Marvel put out a post on Facebook yesterday as we record uh, saying, quote, following the Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader has a new mission, one that will lead to shattering revelations from his own dark past. Preview the highly anticipated issue on StarWars.com tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern time. So it is probably already up, but they included what I assume to be a page from the panel and it features Darth Vader. Going back to the Lars homestead, to the Skywalker homestead. Here we go. Which, old canon, he never set foot back on Tatooine after he left. Which, to see Vader... At, and, it, and there's no doubt about it because it, there is it's a burned, charred building. I am very interested by that. Uh, like we've talked upon many times, the Marvel run with Star Wars is absolutely crushing it right mm-hmm. now. So, so much good to be had there. That being said, before we do the long intro out... Pad, you want to tell what's in the liner notes for the episode? So, as everyone knows, uh, down in Australia, they are going through a very horrible situation with the wildfires that are currently taking place. Uh, If you haven't seen the photo, there are multiple photos circulating the internet just kind of illustrate how large this fire is by superimposing uh, Australia onto the United States with where the fires are currently located just to illustrate how far this is. For comparison's sake, if this were the U.S., the fires would be taking place from California to Maine. Mm-hmm. which is corner to corner of the continental United States. Uh, it is absolutely horrible. And the late, I know we said on the most recent sports issue uh, edition that came out yesterday, uh, that the animal death toll is estimated to be up at over 500 million. Uh, that number was a few days old and has been updated to. It is now estimated that over 1 billion animals have uh, perished in the fires down in Australia. So if you would like to help with the wildfires uh, currently taking place, if you want to donate your money, I know there's a lot of people online looking to donate their money and aren't really sure where to go. You know, there's GoFundMes, but those aren't always the most legitimate and you can't be sure if it's an official thing your best place to go to and we have a link in the description of this episode is the australian red cross it is www.redcross.org.au if you uh, and there's a longer thing on the uh, listing uh, in the description but if you just go to that website you will be able to donate your money to the red cross in australia help out with this disaster and this relief and really give some help down there because they need everything they can get. I know Elton John has pledged, uh, donated a million dollars. I know uh, Chris Hemsworth has donated a million dollars. I know the Ir- the Irwin family is doing everything they can down there with all the animals that are going on. You know, it's just an absolutely horrible situation. And even if you're not able to donate, you might be a college student. You might be a kid listening that, you know, gets maybe five bucks allowance, whatever it is that, you know, money's tight. You can't do it. Share the link on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Snapchat, you know, Vine, if that's still a thing, whatever. Share it, promote it, 
really help people out because there is a lot of people who want to help just they're not sure where to go and sometimes sharing the link can be the best thing you can do absolutely we have that as our pinned post on our facebook page and it's going to remain there to the end of the month and shout out to shout out the robots they made a great instagram post bringing attention there shout out to wonder soul he has been posting it in all his content this month as well and i challenge every indie pod that's listening to this show to do the same post a link share the link donate if you can just bring some attention to it, and if you can help out, absolutely help the people that need it the most right now. So that being said, the music you heard in this episode is that of Shout at the Robots. They're great people, all in all. They do great music. Where to find out about their music? OchoDoorParleyHour.com slash music. You can find out about them. Floodlands, who did a radio interview in Ithaca this past week Ooh. that I have been told is supposed to have been released today. According to Jimmy Gazdick, I don't have the link up yet, but as soon as it is, I will tweet that out for everybody. Floodlands are great people. They are well overdue to come back on the show. I know it's a schedule conflict right now, but sometime within 2020, so I'm going to give 12 months (laughs) to get it figured out, knowing how uh, the guys are doing, because they're actually playing a bunch of shows next three months. They will be appearing in the ODPH studio to talk about CSRN. That is long overdue. We will make that happen. You can also find out about Walking Distance Honker, Fair City Fire. Shout out to Brian and the boys down in Austin, Texas. All the great music you hear on the ODPH. You can go one-stop shop, download it, take the music with you, along with the podcast. How can you beat that, Pat? How? 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 I don't know. You can also check out the ODPH directory, which has our friends of the show. So you can see what Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming is doing. He's going to be here next week. He has a lot to say about Crisis. We can't wait to deep dive into that. You can find out about Excite Wrestling, who just had a cage match in the mall. Uh-huh. What did they do? Find out on ExciteWrestling.com. You can also check out our buddies over at 8122 Productions. So shout out to Rich Ron and hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag I'm going to stop doing the hashtags because I'll be here for 30 minutes because he is the one and only Diesel, and he has a lot of them. And shout out to Mike C from Horizon 607. You can find out about both of those shows. You can find out about Three Fat Nerds, like I said. You can find out about Horizon 607. I might have just repeated myself because I'm getting too amped up talking about their Patreon content, which is what pad? Love is scary. Mm-hmm. Now, I mentioned this on the sports show, but obviously we were getting threatened by Coach Duffy because we mentioned Voldemort's name. Charlie Weiss. Then I got off task. Uh, okay, Coach, he said it, not me, so you can take out the pre-Bulldog aggression as soon as you catch up the pad. So, as I was saying, during that whole melee, Derek has vowed to produce more episodes of Love is Scary. Oh, Lord. With or without Mike. Oh, Lord. Because Mike definitely has a reaction to the show. It is priceless. To say that other people are going to be getting involved in the show, as he says, he is coming for Dr. Drew. Dr. Derek is coming for Dr. Drew. Let that sink in for a second, Pat. Lord have mercy. For $1 a month, not you, not even the high tier, the low tier, you can hear this episode. I can't talk about it. I want to. But one, my voice is giving out. And two, I've been told by providers I cannot talk about that on the air. That is how much content they're bringing. I wish I could dabble into it, but the only thing I can say is he's coming for Dr. Drew. That is what he says. He wants the belt. So find out more, 8122productions.com. Check out their Patreon content. It is well worth the time. Uh, we'll be celebrating this weekend at Richapalooza 2, mm-hmm. which is going down to DMG. So uh, there will be some fun tweets coming out that night. Uh, shout out to everybody who's going to that party. 
And also on OchoDuroParleyHour.com, you can find links to all the amazing podcast groups we are in on the front page. You can find out about hashtag 607 podcast. Shout out to Blow Jam. Shout out to the 3FN. Shout out to Horizon 607. Thumbstick athletes. Everybody involved in that group. You can find out about hashtag Next Wave and all the amazing podcasts led under by Wonder Soul in that group. Shoot. Shout out to 30 and Nerdy and everybody there. Cheesers Comics, Geeks Freaks, Online Warriors. I could just go on and on. So just check out that list. And last but certainly not least, shout out to everybody in Pod Nation. Hashtag Pod Nation on Pod Chaser. Three hours later, and all the amazing podcasts in that group as well. All one-stop shop for OchoDuroParleyHour.com. I could get into the blogs on Parley Points, but you'll have to read them for yourself. That is literally all I have this week, Pad. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. And if you haven't checked out the Jeopardy Greatest of All Time tournament, even if you're not a Jeopardy fan. Oh, that's priceless. It's wild, and you truly see that these are, like, you think it might just be, oh, they're just saying it for promotion. No, these guys are the best of the best. It is wild to watch. Yeah, it's a, it's been a crazy night of television thus mm-hmm. far, and to see where that tournament is going to go is anybody's guess. Yep. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.